Support comes from the Norton Simon Museum, presenting the film series Testigo Witness, Goya in the Movies. Held on Fridays in May, each film touches upon Francisco de Goya's visions of the world, including Goya or the hard way to enlightenment and the discreet charm of the bourgeoisie at nortonsimon.org. Support comes from Pasadena Playhouse, presenting Jelly's Last Jam. Follow Jelly Roll Morton, the self-proclaimed inventor of jazz, in this ambitious musical masterpiece that's sure to blow the roof off the theater. Performances begin May 29th. Tickets at PasadenaPlayhouse.org. L.A.S. Studios. Poll numbers don't look good for him. Uh, he's been blamed for crime. People think that he is soft on people who commit crimes. Of course, Gascon says uh, his policies have been aimed at reducing mass incarceration and racial disparities in the justice system. This is How to LA, the podcast that helps you navigate this city. I'm Brian De Los Santos. Back in 2020, when George Gascon was first elected to serve as a top prosecutor in L.A. County, his win was considered a victory for the criminal justice movement. We did it. And I stand before you committed to making lasting changes that will make our communities safer, healthier, that will restore the promise of equal justice for all, both here in L.A. and far beyond. It was the height of the pandemic and the racial reckoning that followed the police killing of George Floyd. Gascon campaigned as a progressive alternative to incumbent Jackie Lacey, who local activists had criticized for years for her failure to prosecute police officers. And Gascon won. But almost as soon as he took office, he faced scrutiny for being soft on crime. Some from deputy DAs within his own department families of victims of violent crime, and from conservative news shows. L.A.'s radical district attorney, George Gascon, has really outdone himself when it comes to... In a new documentary airing on the streaming site Fox Nation, filmmakers say the destruction of Los Angeles can be traced to George Gascon's election as district attorney. Now he's up for re-election and facing 11 challengers vying to be L.A. County's next DA. They're set to take the debate stage tonight. Here to talk more about this race and give us a little history on the position is LA's civics and democracy correspondent, Frank Stoltz. Hey, Frank. Hey, Brian. All right. So first of all, let's step back and talk more generally about the job of the DA. What is it and what kind of power do they wield? A lot of power. Mm-hmm. You know, there's been a lot of focus in terms of police reform and law enforcement reform on police departments over the last many years. Uh, but in the last few years, there's been more and more focus on the district attorneys and prosecutors around the country because they're the ones who really decide whether or not somebody's going to get charged what they're going to get charged with, and then in plea deals, and most cases end in plea deals, 90% end in plea deals, uh, what kind of deal is going to be made in terms of what you're going to plead guilty to, how much time you're going to serve. Uh, There are 100,000 or nearly 100,000 cases a year that go through the L.A. County District Attorney's Office. It's the biggest local prosecutor's office in the country. That's a big job then. Yeah. And they prosecute cases from all over L.A. County. So it's not just the city of L.A., it's the county, 10 million people. 
So let's do a quick history of who held the job before. As we mentioned, Jackie Lacey was at last DA. Before her, it was Steve Cooley, who was involved in a recall attempt of Gus Cohn. Um, and before him was Gil Garcetti, the father of the former LA mayor, Eric Garcetti. Did this job always have as much scrutiny as it does nowadays? No, it's getting more scrutiny because police reform and law enforcement reform advocates have realized, hey, there's a lot of power in prosecutors' offices. And so, you know, it used to be all you had to do when you ran for district attorney is say, hey, I'm the toughest on crime. I'm going to lock people up for longer than anybody else. Now, people want to hear more about reform. They want to hear about how they're going to make the justice system more fair. And so there's a lot more attention being paid to these races. There's a, a more nuance in terms of how candidates need to run. They can't just say, hey, I'm the toughest guy on crime. So in the time that he's been in office, how has Gus Cohn delivered on the reforms he promised to put in place when he was campaigning for the job? He's made what could only be described as dramatic changes in the nation's largest local prosecutor's office. For one thing, he doesn't file the death penalty anymore. He rarely files adult charges against juveniles. In other words, move people who are under 18 from juvenile court to adult court. He has decided to not file a whole range of misdemeanors, 13 different quality of life crimes, things like driving on a suspended license, drug and paraphernalia possession, public intoxication. So he doesn't file a lot of those cases now. Uh, when it comes to uh, additional sentencing, what we call sentencing enhancements, where you can add uh, prison time uh, if they're convicted, for instance, if they use a gun, he's filing those much less often because he argues that those add to mass incarceration. Another big thing he's done is he's he's charged more police officers involved in shootings with crimes, you know, saying they used excessive force uh, than any other prosecutor in the history of the LADA's office. Uh, Fifteen officers have been charged in connection with in-custody deaths or shootings. Uh, in the previous 20 years, over the past two DAs before him, only two people uh, had been charged. As we mentioned, he's also faced criticism. Um, there have been at least two recall efforts against him, which were ultimately unsuccessful. Why the push to remove him from office? Well, you know, these reforms have made him a little bit of a lightning rod for the right. You know, he's often mentioned on Fox News as, you know, a liberal prosecutor who's letting criminals uh, go free and not enforcing the law. Uh, in fact, uh, he's filing felony prosecutions at the same rate as his predecessor, but he is seeking less prison time for a lot of them. Uh, in fact, I'll, I'll never forget in the early days of his tenure, he put out a big sheet of paper, you know, with all sorts of graphs that showed, you know, that hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of fewer years in prison people that he prosecuted were serving. And, uh, you know, hasn't talked as much about that lately because we're not as much in a reform atmosphere where people are wanting that. We're in a little bit more of a fear of crime atmosphere. On the other hand, you know, a, a lot of folks are, are supporters of Gascon. They feel like he's moving this office in the right direction in terms of uh, locking people up for less time. But a lot of people are also unsure. There are a lot of undecided voters out there. That's what the polls are showing. 
I talked to Derek Johnson uh, of Pasadena, who was one of hundreds of people who were at the Empowerment Congress meeting in South L.A., where most of the DA candidates spoke uh, over the last weekend. Uh, And I asked him what he thought of the DA. One of the things about anybody who actually has positioned himself as a reformer, stuff, change is tough. I think he's done some really good things. I also think that there's some mistakes that have been made. Uh, But, you know, when you're trying to do internal shifts, when you're trying to change policies, when you're trying to implement those policies with people who are actually anti-reform, it's going to be all kinds of pushback. So I think considering the large scale of that office, the position and what it actually means as it relates to, like, equitable treatment in the community and trying to get people who are actually in alignment with that, Difficult role, difficult role. So I give him kudos for like actually like trying to make it happen. What would hold you back? What makes you hesitate to give him another four years? Um, if you are in a position of authority and you can't get your folks in-house to align with those strategies, then it actually impedes on progress, right? And so the real question is whether or not he can either bring in folks from the external uh, communities who are prosecutors who actually have the same uh, thoughts, positioning uh, as him, or whether or not he can make amends with the folks in-house, right? Nothing happens unless you can get your folks in line. So what Derek Johnson was talking about there, Brian, was about how he's managed the office because, you know, he came in with all of these reforms uh, and he came in pretty hard and fast, implementing them the very first day he came into office. And he's made a lot of frontline prosecutors angry, you know, folks who are maybe tied to the old ways of doing things or people who just don't like his management style because, uh, you know, there's been concern that he's, for instance, hired public defenders mm. to be some of his top managers in the office. You know, that's that's kind of an offense to some prosecutors in the office. Like, how can you be hiring basically the other side to manage us? So, uh, you know, what Johnson, I think, is talking about there is he likes the reforms, but he's wondering how effective the DA's been, you know, given all of this internal dissent. We'll get into who is running against DA George Cascone and why after this short break. Support for LAist comes from the Norton Simon Museum, presenting the film series Testigo Witness, Goya in the Movies, held on select Fridays in May. Each film touches upon Spanish artist Francisco de Goya's visions of the world, including Goya or The Hard Way to Enlightenment by Conrad Wolf and The Discreet Charm of the Bourgeoisie by Luis Bunuel. Screenings are at 4.30 p.m. on consecutive Fridays, now through May 31st. More information at nortonsimon.org. Support for LAist comes from Pasadena Playhouse, presenting Jelly's Last Jam. When Jelly Will Morton's soul is forced to face the music, the self-proclaimed inventor of jazz is left at the ultimate crossroads. This lively musical follows the journey from the back alleys of New Orleans to the sparkling stages of New York, featuring a sizzling bandstand, electrifying tap dancing, and soulful tunes. On stage for four weeks only, Jelly's Last Jam. Performances begin May 29th. Tickets available now at PasadenaPlayhouse.org. And we're back with How to LA and LA's Frank Stoltz. 
All right, so let's talk about the folks who are running to replace George Cascone. Who are they and what are the pitches of how they do things differently? You know, I think I'd break them down into perhaps three different categories. One of them is the judges. We have three either current or retired judges, uh, Deborah Archuleta, David Milton, and Craig Mitchell. And so you have those three folks. And then you have many of his own prosecutors running against him. There's uh, Jonathan Hatami, uh, who's been a deputy DA since 2006. There's John McKinney. Uh, he's been in the office since 1998. Uh, there's Maria Ramirez, who's been a uh, deputy DA since 1990. And then there's Eric Sadal, who's a violent crimes prosecutor who's been in the office for 16 years. And he happens to have been the former uh, vice president of the deputy DA's association and a longtime critic of uh, George Gascone. And then a couple more, you have a guy who's running out of the San Bernardino District Attorney's Office, a guy by the name of Lloyd Bobcat Mason. He's a cold case prosecutor. Good name, huh? Yeah, it is. Uh, for, for a prosecutor, I suppose. Um, and he doesn't have a website, so I don't know how viable he is. But then you also have Jeff Chemerinsky, uh, who's a federal prosecutor or a recently uh, retired federal prosecutor, although he didn't really retire. He's a young man, but he left the U.S. Attorney's Office to run for the DA. And of course, his name may be familiar because his father is Erwin Chemerinsky, who's you know, a longtime constitutional attorney, well-known, been on our station a bunch of times, a dean of the UC Berkeley Law School now. And uh, so Chemerinsky, by the way, might be sort of the closest to Gascon in terms of talking about reform and talking about mass incarceration. You know, a lot of these other folks uh, tend to be much more critical of Gascon and his, his policies than the the other category is a couple of criminal defense attorneys who are running. Nathan Hockman is running. He was actually the uh, Republican nominee for state attorney general in last year's election. Of course, he lost. Uh, and then a guy named Dan Kapelovitz. So that's not a short list, Frank. No, no. It's 11 people challenging yeah. Gascon. He's seen as very vulnerable because people are more fearful of crime now. As I say, 2020, when he was first elected, was a reform year. You know, this year is more about, hey, worries about public safety, even though we see crime ticking down this year. We saw it go up during the COVID years. It's coming back down a little bit, although property crimes are still up. Uh, but overall, uh, these numbers reflect what's happening in most major cities around the country. So, you know, this effort to sort of blame Gascon for the increase in crime really isn't quite right because uh, he, what's happening here has been happening in a lot of other places. From what I know, I believe endorsements do matter. So what are we hearing about endorsements for Gascon or any of his challengers at this point? Well, the two big bats in L.A. County, the L.A. County Democratic Party and the L.A. County Federation of Labor are both backing Gascon. Although I will say, you know, that at the Democratic Party meeting, he nearly did not get the endorsement. So that shows you sort of the level of concern, even among Democrats, about Gascon and his policies. And, and one of the big criticisms of his policies is that they're sort of blanket policies that, you know, he uh, imposed, you know, the, no more sentencing enhancements for uh, a whole bunch of crimes. And some people think he's gone too far in those. Uh, so that's the big criticism of him. Uh, but he did get the Democratic Party. He got the Labor Federation. Uh, and those are the two biggest endorsements in town. But I got to tell you, the poll that I saw 
saw, I mean, he was down around in the high teens in terms of support. So, you know, that's not very good for an incumbent Democratic district attorney in a Democratic county. I also have to add, it's technically a nonpartisan race. It's not Democrats versus Republicans technically, but of course, people, you know, pay attention to labels. Right. You touched on this already, but how safe are Angelinos today compared to four years ago? What does the data kind of tell us? Well, I think it's slightly misleading what we see on local TV news and news in general. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> um, you know, these smash and grab robberies that are, you know, are often caught on videotape give us a sense of disorder. The homelessness issue, you know, gives us a sense of disorder. Uh, but, you know, in fact, violent crime is down this year. I mentioned property crime. Property crime is, is up. Um, but again, this, these are trends that are being reflected around the country. The question is, can or, or should have George Gascon, the incumbent DA, done more or should he be doing more to fight violent crime, to fight property crime? And that's the question this year. So I'm curious to know what you're going to be looking out for in this debate. What is it going to tell you and what do you anticipate? Look for specifics. You know, listen carefully to what people have to say about whether or not people should be locked up longer or whether they tend to agree with shorter prison sentences. Listen to how people talk about things like bail reform and Proposition 47. These are, you know, bedrock reforms that some people, you know, say this is how we change the criminal justice system. And others say, no, you know, we're letting people out too easily uh, or we're sentencing them to, you know, too little time. Well, Frank, thanks so much for coming in today. Anything else that you're going to be looking forward to in your busy 2024 election year? It's going to be a great year. There's a lot to vote on. I really encourage people to to pay attention to the LAS.com website where we're going to have our voter game plan, which is going to be a great comprehensive look at all the major races for city council, supervisors, the DA's race, of course. So stay tuned. Thanks, Frank. Thanks, Brian. That was LA's Civics and Democracy correspondent, Frank Stoltz. The DA debate is tonight, January 18th, from 6 to 8 p.m. It's being put on by Los Angeles Magazine and will be streaming at lamag.com. We'll have coverage of it later on in the week on LA's 89.3 and on LA's.com. And the voter game plan that Frank mentioned will be out in early February. So keep an eye out for that. It'll be a great resource for all you voters. Thanks for tuning in today. And like always, you can reach us at howtola at scpr.org. Tomorrow, we'll have another episode of Imperfect Paradise, The Castle. You don't want to miss it. This episode was produced by Monica Bushman. Our other team members include Erica Washington, Evan Jacoby, Megan Motel, and Victoria Alejandro. Our intern is Tony Morales. Support for this podcast is made possible by Gordon and Donna Crawford who believe that quality journalism makes Los Angeles a better place to live. The LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. One lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at LAS.com sweeps.